hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Health Tech Beat podcast. The mission of the podcast is to show the real life challenges of implementing technology in healthcare. <laughs> and the podcast is sponsored by Demigas, a company that develops IT solutions for healthcare startups and companies. For more information, you can check the website demigas.com. My name is Ivan Dudski, your today's host as always, and I'm joined by a very special guest, Jeff Carroll, founder of GC Telemedicine. Also, Jeff was a founding member of an online pharmacy. Jeff is determined to make um, healthcare affordable by bringing price transparency to the market. He also wants to make prescription treatment widely available to patients. Jeff, thank you for joining. How are you today? Hey, Ivan. Thanks for having me. I'm doing very well this morning. Excited to join your podcast and yep, definitely excited to be here. Cool. Could you please uh, give a brief background of your story in healthcare and uh, the story behind GC Telemedicine? Definitely. Yep. So my name is Jeff Carroll. I'm the founder of JC Telemedicine. Before I started JC, I was on the founding team at an online pharmacy. We were the pharmacy that was behind the fulfillment for some really big names in digital health, like Hims and Hers, Roman, the recently acquired Lemonade Health, and Cerebral. Our pharmacy powered these companies in the back end to send out personalized prescription packages. So after a few years, I decided to start my own company because I believed I could help these digital health companies in a lot more ways than just doing pharmacy fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Cool. I remember you mentioned that when you worked uh, at online pharmacy, you saw many challenges in the industry. Were some of these challenges connected with technology? Absolutely. Yep. And it, it really blew my mind working at this pharmacy. So I think that there's a lot of challenges when it comes to implementing technology in healthcare. When I was working at the high volume pharmacy environment, it pretty much came as a shock to me that the pharmacy still relied on a fax machine to communicate with doctors, other pharmacies. Realize it's, it's 2017 for crying out loud, or even today it's 2021 and the pharmacies are still using a fax machine. It just didn't really make a lot of sense to me. And so I set out to see about ways that we can kind of solve this issue of using antiquated technologies and using better technology to improve the lives of patients and, and pharmacies. So it definitely came as a surprise to me to see that doctors were still writing prescriptions on paper pads and that we were still using a fax machine in the pharmacy. And why do you think uh, this happens in this way? What is the main obstacle to change everything to new technologies? Like, yeah, what's really the main reason behind that? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think that there's a little bit of resistance and mm -hmm. there's definitely resistance on the provider side as well as there's hesitation and reluctance to switch over to new technologies. I think that one of the biggest challenges and one of the things that I'm really looking to improve on is how do we change that status quo? How do we get people to move away from their old way of doing things and understand that there's a better way of doing things? There's a better way of solving needs with patients, improving patient outcomes, improving adherence to medication by using technology. 
cool. And could you please tell why did you decide to start GC Telemedicine and yeah, what is the main mission of the company? Our mission is fairly straightforward. We are looking to accelerate the digital transformation in healthcare across America. So what we do is we build custom solutions for mm-hmm. digital health and other health tech companies. We've worked with I mean, in the last two years, so we started in 2018. Since that time, we've worked with over 20 clients from independent doctor's offices to online mm-hmm. pharmacies to clinics and all kinds of different healthcare companies. Our team brings over 35 years of telemedicine, pharmaceuticals, business law, bioethics, and other backgrounds. So we have a, a team that, that is comprised of these backgrounds and we bring over 35 years of experience. We've completed over 90 successful projects for companies ranging from multi-million dollar companies to digital health startups. The companies that we've worked with are responsible for covering a combined two and a half million patient lives. So, you know, what we do is is we help these companies to understand the nuances of telemedicine and how to deliver that type of virtual care. It's a really exciting topic to help these companies understand that you can reach patients in their homes. Doctors can work from their home and they can reach patients' lives and improve patient outcomes. So it's really an exciting topic. But like I had referenced earlier, we're met with a challenge, and that challenge is the status quo. That challenge is we're so used to having this mm-hmm. centralized type of healthcare where we go to the hospital to fix our problems, or we have to go to the doctor's office to to experience changes in this type of healthcare. I believe there's a better way of doing things. And that better way of doing things is meeting with a physician from your home or hopping on a video call with a doctor to talk about your symptoms and your problems. Doctors are resilient. They're able to provide healthcare and they're able to provide care in so many different forms. And I think that if we can bring a doctor to the patient's home, so it's it's kind of funny, you know, back in the early 1900s, we were used to doing house calls. Right. And this was the the idea that a doctor would come to a patient's home. They would be able to provide care to a patient at that point of care is, is their home. And then we moved away from this type of decentralized healthcare. We moved more towards the hospital systems and independent physicians' offices. But I suspect that because technology is is making things easier for patients and for doctors, we're gonna actually move back into this kind of this decentralized type of healthcare delivery which is where now because of technology like in video conferencing and other types of technologies that put the doctor in the patient's home again we're going to move back to this house call type delivery interesting i'm just curious how do you convince physicians to use telemedicine and like what kind of challenges do you face when you try to find new customers and provide services like that Yeah, that's a really great question. So I I think that the pandemic definitely accelerated the technology adoption in the medical field. We're seeing things like doctors are using products like voice assistance for patient mm-hmm. charting and patient note taking. They're using video platforms and conferencing platforms like Zoom to have video calls with patients, and they're using other products that can really improve patient outcomes. But there's still such a really large gap between where we are and where we should be. So I think what we're going to see is doctors are going to become more confident with technology. If you talk with doctors today, a lot of them are hesitant to say that 
you know, telemedicine and, and telehealth are really becoming a norm and becoming a, a way that we're moving. It's, it's becoming a, a hybrid model is really where I think that a lot of doctors will say that the future is. And so, you know, I suspect that in the coming years, because patients demand telemedicine and because patients want to visit with a physician from their home, I think that doctors are going to catch on and they're going to really start building this type of experience into their patient care. Mm-hmm. Cool. And I'm curious, there are many, many products, I mean, telemedicine products on the market. How do you differentiate yourself? How do you uh, differentiate your products, your services, providing telemedicine from other offerings that are available? That's another really great question. So, you know, every practice is different, right? Every product should be different. Mm-hmm. And so there's no cookie cutter. There's no one solution that, that fits all the needs of a doctor. Right. And, and so if you go to talk to a physician, he'll tell you my practice is different because of this, or my practice is different because we care more about our patients. You know, whatever the reason may be, every doctor is different and every practice is different. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to bring a solution to the market that we sit down and tailor the need. We sit down and tailor the product that we deliver to our patients and to our doctors in a very succinct manner. And so we sit down and we talk to them, you know, what are you doing today? What does your practice do? How are you delivering care to patients today? And sure, we have an intent to get doctors to use our software platform, but ultimately because we have a consulting layer on top that helps physicians and doctors to um, design an element of telemedicine that reaches their patients, um, we're able to deliver a highly customizable product. So sure, like I mentioned, we do have a software that allows doctors to reach their patients direct to consumer. But ultimately, we believe that by providing a really unique experience to our physicians, we can empower them to deliver a really unique experience to their patients. Mm -hmm. Got it. And I'm wondering, is your the most attractive target audience is like this independent physicians or like more practices, maybe group practices or hospitals? Yeah. So, you know, I I think it really depends. It depends on what the doctor is trying to achieve. So we do have some examples of clients. For example, we we work with a very prominent women's health brand that Mm -hmm. what they do is they operate 38 clinics nationwide. Mm -hmm. So these are in-person clinics. And essentially, Um, What they do is they provide a point of care for places where patients can come in person. Ultimately, during the pandemic, this clinic realized that that's just not really a great way to deliver care when people are stuck at home. So they came to JC Telemedicine with the hope that we can help them design an an ulterior modem that allows patients to reach the doctor and for the doctor to reach the patient from their home. So we sit down with them and we say, what type of care are you delivering today? What type of prescriptions do you typically prescribe? Mm -hmm. What kind of treatment plans do you typically put patients on? And so what we've done is we've sat down and we've, we've created a whole product offering where this company can now host its offering online and allow patients to go through an intake process and tell the doctor about the symptoms that they're experiencing or about the conditions that they have. From that point, the physician can review the intake form, the medical history questionnaire, prescribe medication if appropriate, or just provide that one-on-one care that a a physician uh, gives to a patient. 
there's really, you know, it, the, the opportunities are endless when we sit down and we work with a company that has this really uh, comprehensive medical protocol. And all we're doing is we digitize that product, we put it onto the website, and then we uh, uh, overnight, we're able to reach a tremendously larger patient population. Mm-hmm. So today, when you're working with an in-person clinic, you're really limited towards the foot traffic that comes into that clinic. Of course. Um, whereas if you create a digital offering, you can instantly reach patients in any state or in any location or any geography, which is a really cool concept when you know it allows doctors to practice at the top of their license. Cool. I assume that when you work with these larger companies, they already have already existing solutions in place, EMR systems, HR systems. So how do you connect your solution to existing solutions in the practice? There is such a massive amount of software that a a doctor's office or a clinic can choose from in today's climate. And so, you know, that's absolutely a huge challenge is how do we make these systems talk to each other? Mm -hmm. Um, There's this concept in healthcare is called interoperability. And it's the idea that all the systems are talking to each other. Information Mm -hmm. is available when a physician needs it. Information is available to a pharmacist when dispensing medications. They can see the patient history. They can see notes from the doctor. And really, that's one of the biggest challenges when using technology in healthcare is how do we create a single continuous type of care to a patient? So really when working with the kind of companies and the kind of physicians groups that I work with, we're not looking to necessarily replace what they do today, but we're absolutely looking at ways that we can tie their systems in together. One of those things is, you know, we do have a lightweight EHR or a lightweight uh, EMR system that a physician can Mm -hmm. use. Okay. Um, but obviously, like I mentioned, is physicians are set in their ways. They like to do th- what they know works. So ultimately, by creating a system that allows doctors technologies to talk to each other, that's a lot more appealing of a proposition to a doctor when you can say, hey, I know that you're used to using your, your homegrown EHR or you're used to using an EHR mm-hmm. that's off the shelf. Um, we don't need you to change that. Instead, we can augment those systems and we can allow you to provide more comprehensive services without changing a thing. So this is, it gets really complex, but the idea here, Ivan, is uh, basically we can create a technology layer that transmits information from one EHR to a different system, or we can upload patient informations from one EHR into a different system. The idea is by getting systems to talk to each other, that's our first key to making a continuous spectrum of care. Of course. And I assume that available data formats uh, such as HL7 are helpful here. Yeah. Yep. So here's where I'll defer to my technology officer. So JC yeah. Telemedicine does have um, a number of employees. We have some employees with a background of, like I mentioned, law and bioethics. We also have Mm -hmm. um, various software developers and engineers on our team as well. So, you know, I'm not the most technical person on our team, um, but we do have folks that are building these solutions in congruence with building these types of larger type offerings for physicians as well. Yeah, cool. 
And uh, when you implement your solutions, you already mentioned that one of the main challenges is like existing status quo that physicians have. But what are other like obstacles for implemented your solutions in clinics and practices? I think, you know, it really all comes back to how do we convince a doctor or a physician that telemedicine really does improve the patient experience? And so I think, you know, one of those key challenges that we see is how do we make sure that, you know, we're not crossing the bridge into misdiagnosis, right? So this is a a very juicy topic in healthcare today is when you're visiting with a patient and you're actually not able to see them face to face, how do you make sure that that patient is who they say they are? How do you know that they make sure that they're experiencing these conditions that they say they experience? How do you make sure that you can still deliver a great patient experience and a great treatment to that patient when you're not actually seeing them in person. So I think, you know, in order to answer that question, I would really just just mention, there's a lot of different types of telemedicine. So one type of telemedicine is live synchronous video, like Mm -hmm. what we're doing now, Um, talking face to face, um, really helps to improve that communication between a doctor and a patient. But there's other types of telemedicine as well that we're starting to see become widely adopted. For example, remote patient monitoring, which is the concept of having wearables uh, like an Apple Watch or a blood pressure cuff that the doctor can actually take this data and use this data to inform his decisions, as well as there is a more nuanced type of telemedicine, which is referred to as asynchronous or store and forward is another term for this telemedicine where basically a patient is answering a group of questions, a set of questions about his or her medical history or uh, their need for treatment. And the physician is then, it's transmitted to the doctor in real time where the physician can then review these questions and prescribe treatment if it's applicable. So because there's this really large spectrum of what telemedicine encompasses, I think that there's a huge gap in terms of educating doctors and educating them on how to use telemedicine, because a lot of them aren't really sure where to start. But that's what JC Telemedicine does, is we provide that kind of that foundational knowledge for doctors that are looking to reach their patients directly. Yeah, thank you. And another one question, I had an interesting conversation once a day with a physician who works in the rural area. And he mentioned a problem that in his area, internet connection is not as good as in big cities. So do you see that as a problem when you work with these physicians and clinics, or you just focus on companies that are located in larger geographic areas where they have good internet connection? Yeah. So, you know, it's easy to deliver a technology Uh, program to physicians that are in big metro areas. Mm -hmm. It's easy because it's easy to monetize that. So for example, in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is where I'm located, there's about 60 or so dermatologists that specialize in dermatology. It's easy to say, hey, just basically answer, get some patients online. You have a, a license that allows you to practice in the entire state of California. But the challenge here is Um, How do we bring that same level of care to what we call a desert, a a care desert? (laughs) And so basically, yes, one of the challenges is if you don't have a good internet connection, it's really hard to have a live video conversation with a doctor. It's even more challenging to drive across town and visit a physician in person. 
So I think, you know, you have to kind of pick the lesser of two evils. How can we transmit patient information um, and get it in front of a physician in, in a timely way? And so I think, you know, telemedicine lends itself well to certain treatment areas. Some treatment areas, things like dermatology, like I had mentioned, it's easy to take a picture of your face and send it to a doctor. Mm -hmm. That doesn't involve a really a, a, a strong internet connection. If you're able to just upload an yeah. image, then you don't have to have a, a live conversation with a patient. You know, things like sexual health, like erectile dysfunction or birth control are some topics that physicians can just simply look at some questions that they ask their, their patient and they're able to provide a treatment plan to a patient based on what they've told them. Other things like hair loss, or we're starting to see a lot more treatment areas being expanded into from the asynchronous telemedicine. In terms of fixing infrastructure challenges, like good basic internet, I think that our country and it, I think the world in, in general has a long way to go in terms of closing that gap. I think, you know, there are ways that we can improve infrastructure challenges, but I, I mean, you look at the number of people in the world that have a smartphone right? They're able to take pictures of themselves or they're able to communicate with a physician using that smartphone. I think that by improving accessibility and improving the options that are available to patients, that is in turn going to allow more accessibility and more affordability for patients alike. Yeah. Digital is coming to our life more and more. It's, yeah, it's, Inevitable. So could you please tell us what problems are you experiencing now that you're trying to tackle and overcome in your company? Yeah. So, you know, once again, the biggest challenge that I really see is it's not so much as finding doctors that want to do this. It's mm -hmm. more about finding doctors that want to do this and in turn helping them to impact their patients' lives. I think that there's a lot of doctors that want to use telemedicine and there's a lot of doctors that want to use digital to improve their patient's experience. They just don't know how to do it, mm -hmm. right? They don't know where to start. A, a doctor goes to medical school for eight years, but he doesn't take a single course or a single class on telemedicine, let alone running a business, right? So these topics are really foreign to physicians and it makes it challenging for them to say, I want to start something from scratch or I want to go and here's the like the vision that I really have for my practice. I just don't know how to get there. So that's really the biggest challenge that I see is that there is a lack of education in the medical field when it comes to using telemedicine and using digital health. I really like to see more information for physicians um, out there. And so that's one of the missions as well that I have is to create literature and content that helps mm -hmm. any doctor go direct to consumer. The biggest challenge, like I had mentioned, is getting doctors educated on how to use telemedicine. Yeah. And is this the current primary focus in your work, or maybe there are some other projects you're working on currently? Yeah. The primary focus of my work is to help doctors, clinics, and other healthcare companies accelerate their adoption for technology. Mm -hmm. So it's to give them whatever tools they need in order to reach those patients. So like I mentioned before, we do build custom solutions for any clinician or any healthcare company because every practice is unique. But one of the really exciting projects that I'm working on is building a low-cost pharmacy distribution network with the hopes of lowering the price of medication as well as bringing transparency to that market. 
Mm-hmm. So one of the funny things that I always like to mention is, you know, a patient that takes medication, they've never seen a pharmacy catalog before. They don't really know what the true cost of these medications are. But if you saw the prices, it would astound you. I only know this because I worked at a pharmacy for a couple of years. And so now I understand that, you know, most generic cash pay medications literally cost pennies to manufacture. So, I mean, when you're talking about a, a 365 day supply of a generic medication, it shouldn't be more than a couple bucks. So I think that, you know, one of the cool things that I'm working on is how can we show patients that the true cost of medication for real, pure, you know, not knockoff medication, I'm talking real medication that you take in your home is really inexpensive to manufacture. So how can we show patients that, you know, there's a lot of intermediaries, there's a lot of middlemen in our space today that Mm -hmm. really convolute what that price looks like. And they make it really challenging to understand that, hey, I'm on a generic cash pay medication. This should be a lot cheaper than what I'm paying for today. I think that we've seen some companies like GoodRx, for example, that add that layer of transparency. But still, um, when you go to GoodRx and you find a $7 coupon for a drug that really only costs 30 cents, still there's still a lot of work to be done there. One of the other topics that I'm exploring is how do we use big data and how do we use artificial intelligence and other types of technologies like blockchain in healthcare? I think that there's a lot of really exciting applications to these technologies that we have yet to discover. But one of the things that JC Telemedicine is doing is we're experimenting with clinicians and practices to help them understand there are alternative ways to use these technologies. And obviously we hope to see a really wide adoption um, once we figure out a solution that fixes these problems for doctors. Yeah. Once you have that skill and that ability, how to convince decision makers in healthcare to use technology, that's easier to come up with other solutions as well. Yeah. It's easier said than done, but once we design a product that is really truly easy to use and truly something that physicians know and have confidence that this will improve their patients' outcomes, I think that then it's just a matter of sharing that with the world and sharing that with doctors in America. Yeah, from our experience, I also observed that that's very important to show people in the industry that you have solution that really works so that they can trust you. And only after that, uh, they can be committed to try your solution. That's right. So that's really a key. All right. So we are coming to the end of an interview, but I have one more question. What kind of advice uh, can you give to other professionals who would like to develop or implement technology in healthcare? For example, they come up with a new solution or a new startup. What can you say to these people? Yep. There's no greater feeling than knowing that your product has impacted a patient's life. And healthcare in general is absolutely riddled with problems. But if you can find that one practical solution to save even one life, that product is worth building, in my opinion. So obviously the goal is to build a solution that can save many lives, but ultimately you have to start somewhere. The piece of advice I would give future founders in healthcare is anything worthwhile does not come easily, right? If it's worth building, it's going to take time and it's going to take dedication. So uh, just understand that these things take time and understand that, you know, it's, it's challenging to build something that people are going to use. But if you can cross that hurdle and you can get physicians using it and they know that it will change their patients' lives, it's worth building.
Yeah, it's great advice. I think I appreciate that. So I think things that we covered would be useful for our listeners. I would like to end uh, each interview with some exercise called rapid fire round. I will ask you several questions and you can give answers, uh, whatever you want. So the first one is, uh, what is your favorite book? I love to read. And, and so I have a lot of favorite books. Some of my favorites, like all time favorites are things like crossing the chasm, the multiplier effect or the tipping point. But one of my longest time favorite books is called persuading scientists marketing to the world's most skeptical audience. It's a book by Hamid Ghanadan, and the book talks about why doctors and scientists are generally very difficult people to sell to. They use logic in their buying process, much more so than most buyers who base their buying decisions on emotion. So generally, when a physician is, is about to buy something or a doctor or a scientist is about to buy something, they really have done a lot of thinking about a problem that they have, and they already have started thinking about the solutions. Otherwise, scientists and doctors, they've got very particular blinders on in terms of they don't like to be sold anything unless they have thought about the idea that they, they really need it. So that's one of the, the, the really exciting books that I find to be most relevant to, to what I'm doing today is how do we really create a very distinct value proposition and a very clear value for the prospects um, that we sell to? Yeah, cool. I have read a book by Jack Trout of positioning. So he mentioned in the book that there are a couple of types of clients. So logical, emotional, and kind of people who want to try new things. And basically when you build a new product or service, you need to address all the, all these segments, all these types of people. Yeah. So we had Halloween recently. What costume did you have? <laughs> That's a great one. My girlfriend and I always uh, like to do couples costumes. This year we were the tortoise and the hare. So we had our onesies on. I was the tortoise and she was the hare. Had a little bunny tail. Um, <laughs> it, it was cute. We, you know, after last year of not being able to do any trick-or-treating, we really missed that. So we bought up a, a lot of candy and we sat on our porch this year just handing out candy to the trick-or-treaters. It was really nice to get back in the swing of things, but yeah, it, it was a fun year to, to, to be back in trick-or-treating mode. Cool. And the, the next one, what is the location that impressed you the most? Yeah, I, I love this question. I, I love to travel. I love to experience new foods, new cultures and things like that. More recently, my girlfriend and I did a, a puzzle of the Cinque Terre, which is in the Southern coast of Italy. So we did a puzzle and we actually decided to go and visit the place in real life. It was awesome. It's even more inspiring in, in real person than it is doing a puzzle in your living room. Um, <laughs> the colors are absolutely beautiful. It was uh, really a, an amazing place to go and visit. And the food is to die for. Yeah, of course. That's actually a very interesting way to choose the next place to visit. <laughs> yeah, doing a puzzle. And what is the one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old? self? Yeah, I think, you know, the same advice that I would give to other founders in the space is to persevere. You know, it's really challenging to build something that people will use, but you have to take feedback from your users and from your customers, and you have to build with the patients in mind. 
So I, you know, just looking back on, you know, this, this experience that I've had over the last several many years is look, it's challenging. It's really hard building products in healthcare, but if you persevere, you'll see your product make a difference in patients' lives and there's no greater feeling. Yeah. Thank you. That's a perfect way to end today's interview. Thank you, Jeff, for your time and uh, that you shared so much from your experience of implemented telemedicine, as well as your experience working in online pharmacy. So I think that things that you shared would be valuable for our listeners. But before we finish, what is the best way to get in touch with you so that people can talk or connect with you? Yeah. So you can visit our website, jctelemedicine.com. But I would also recommend that your users follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. We share articles and information and other content that really helps not just doctors and physicians to use telemedicine, but it helps to inform patients on ways that they can too use telemedicine. So yep, follow us. We, we have accounts on Twitter and LinkedIn. We also are on different platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Medium, and Substack. But those are some just really some easy ways um, that you too can get involved in the digital health scene. Yeah, I will definitely um, include all the links in the resources section of the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, all, all our listeners. And see you in the next episodes. Thank you, Ivan. Really appreciate it. Yeah.